0: Sunday we started a new series, well I kind of started a new series that we call it I Know But I'm Scared. By the way, who was here last Sunday? Wasn't it amazing? One of my favorite Sundays ever um, at Springwell, an amazing day, but I kind of started a new series called I Know But I'm Scared. Basically my idea is is that sometimes we know things about ourselves, we know the way things should be. Uh, For some of us we even know things about God, but it's a little different when you're put in a life situation where you actually have to live that out. And it can still be scary, even though you know. And so for this week and a couple more, we're gonna be looking at um, some different parts of the Bible that hopefully um, will help us overcome different fears, different uh, insecurities that we have. Um, and I wanna set up today like this. There's Most Sundays when I get up here uh, to preach, and I have the privilege of doing that, uh, there's a moment where I'm sitting down here and towards usually it's towards the end of that third song where literally I'm thinking maybe we should just do music all day. Like maybe maybe I don't need to say anything. And some Sundays that would be okay, but I think if every Sunday that I was supposed to speak and I thought that and we did that, there might be a pattern there. But the reason why, why I do that is because I'm always a little a, a little uneasy. It's not because I'm not prepared. I hope it's not because I'm not gifted. It's not because God hasn't given me something to say. It's not because I don't love you, but it's really because of my own insecurities, because of my own fears, because of how I'm messed up. And I think that I'm not the only one who allows their insecurities and their internal fears to change what they do and how they do it and the things that they get excited about doing it, about doing Moses in the Bible is, is no different. Now, most people, when they think about Moses, they think about Moses as the Bible hero, right? In the Old Testament, even if you don't know much about the Bible, you've heard of, probably heard of Moses. He is the one who goes to Pharaoh, tells him, let my people go, and then leads the uh, Israelites out of slavery in Egypt towards the, the promised land. And that's true. Moses is, is a Bible hero. There's, there's no mistaking that. But if you do a little digging, Moses was a pretty messed up dude. He was pretty messed up inside, just like a lot of us. I won't say you, because I'm not going to put that on you, if you're not willing to admit it. But he was a messed up dude. It kind of started when he was little. When he was a baby, there was an edict that all of the Hebrew babies would be killed. Moses was a Hebrew baby. It wasn't supposed to go well for him. And so his mom had an idea. She hid him for as long as possible from the people enforcing the edict. When she couldn't hide him anymore in a last-ditch effort, she puts Moses in a basket and floats him down the Nile River. It just so happens that Pharaoh's daughter, the most powerful guy in all of Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter is uh, out by the river. She sees baby Moses, and she takes him in, and she adopts him, and Moses is actually raised in Pharaoh's home. But stop, already Moses has been abandoned. It had to happen, but he has. He's been abandoned by his mother. He's been adopted into a family that welcomed him in, but he has to feel like, because he's a different nationality, he's, a di- he's different, that something's just different about him. And all of these things begin to shape who Moses is. So Moses grows up, one day he's a shepherd, he's out in the field, he notices an Egyptian beating one of his own Hebrew people. Moses has a little bit of a temper, thank thank you God that he doesn't use perfect people but he uses all of us because Moses, after he sees this one of his people getting beaten by the Egyptian, he kills the Egyptian and hides him in the sand, right, right? Talk about gangster, right? (laughs) Hides him in the sand, and then Moses begins to run again. He's running. He's hiding. He's fearful. He's on the run. He doesn't have a place to belong. He doesn't have a home. He's now a murderer. He's been abandoned. He's been adopted. He has an anger issue. And he's fearful, not just of getting caught, because he killed the Egyptian but he's running on fear because of something deeper. Moses has some insecurities that he's just not enough, that he's not good enough, that he's not enough to be wanted, that he's not enough to be needed, that he's not enough to accomplish any purpose, that he's not enough to be loved. I think Moses is running on fear of not being enough. And one of the things that I have realized about myself and in conversation with other people is that usually when people think they're not enough, it has nothing to do with the situation that's in front of them. It's about some things that happened in their past that got them to decide that they weren't enough. And so because of what happened back then and because of the way you felt then and because of what happened then, now you face whatever you face, the people you face, the relationships you face, not because you're not enough right now, but because of how back then shaped you. Your insecurities aren't from what you lack in the present. They're from what you felt like you lacked in the past. And so Moses has been conditioned that he's not enough. And he's running on fear. For some of you, you've been conditioned that you're not enough and you're running on fear. For some of you, you're a mom. And you think every morning when you get up that you are not enough to be a mom to those kids. Why? It's not because God didn't equip you to be a good mom. It's because somewhere along the line, you were conditioned to believe that you don't have all of the stereotypical things that a mom should have. For some of you, you work beside someone that you're fearful of, that you're intimidated by. Why are you intimidated by them? It's not because they're that great. They're not that much better at their job than you are at yours. It's because somebody did something to you in your past, and that person reminds you of them. And so now you think, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. For some of you, you feel like you can't trust anybody. And so you never put yourself out there fully with with anybody, do you? And the reason isn't because there's nobody around you or that you have a connection with that is trustworthy, but it's because you trusted somebody or somebodies and they broke your trust and they betrayed you. And so now you can't trust anybody. For some of you, the season that you have in front of you right now, as hard, as good, as bad, as tough as it may be, you think you aren't good enough. You're not enough to face this season. And it's not because God hasn't equipped you to face it, but it's because of the past seasons that you have gone through where you have been conditioned to believe that you're not enough. And for many of us today, and for a lot of Christians today, and for a lot of non-Christians today, the thing that is slowing you down in life isn't what you lack. It's the insecurities and the fears that you have because you think you're not enough. It's not because of what you lack now. It's because of what back then did to you. And I have to believe that's why Moses is going to go into this discourse with God when when God tries to tell Moses, listen, you're enough and I've got you. So God is about to call Moses with an epic call. And if there's one thing I want you to hear today, one thing I want you to write down, one thing I want you to post on Facebook, tweet, get a tattoo of, this is what it is. I'll give you $5 if you come back next Sunday with this tattoo, okay? God is what I'm not. God is what I'm not. So now that we've caught up on the Moses story, I want us to skim Exodus 3 and 4. And hopefully we can begin to understand some things about ourselves as we look at some of the excuses Moses gave and some of the insecurities that he showed in this conversation with God as God is trying to call him with this epic call. Exodus 3, starting in verse 1, says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire. From the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Well, no duh, right? Though the bush was on fire, engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Now, this is where Moses and I differ because if I see that bush, I'm running the other way. I'm not going to see it. So Moses, he walks over to the bush, and then in verse seven, it says, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, I have heard their cries of distress. Because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Havites, Jebusites, Cellulites now live. (laughs) One of those didn't belong. Verse 9. It says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So to recap, Moses has some personal issues he's dealing with. Some insecurities, some fears. He's shepherding again, and then God gives, God gives him this monumental call to help free his own people and to accomplish the plan that God had always had for the Israelite people. So naturally, Moses feels like he's not enough. And look at the reasons, the excuses, the insecurities that Moses shows over the next couple of chapters. Verse 11 of chapter 3 says, But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out Of Egypt. He has a fear of not being good enough. He has a fear of not being good enough and not being enough. For some of you, that is your struggle right there. You feel like you're never good enough. You feel like it's never good enough. You don't feel like you're enough to be wherever you are. You don't feel like you're enough to be sitting in this room. You don't feel like you're enough to be the wife, the husband, the dad, the mom. The teenager, the student, you just don't feel like you're ever, ever, ever enough. And it's not, hear me, it's not a product of where you are right now. It's a product of people in your past. That time, maybe, that you tried your absolute hardest. You were so proud of what you did, but the person you needed affirmation from the most didn't say a word about it. Or what about the time? Where you did your best, and they said something, but they critiqued it. They criticized it. They didn't compliment it. Or what about the time where you finally trusted someone, and you finally put your heart out there only to have them walk away, and you never heard from them again? What do you think about yourself now? You think, I'm not good enough. I'm not Enough. And the idea, if you believe that and you allow that to a replay in your head, you will be paralyzed from ever doing anything. It will steal every ounce of motivation, every willingness to do new things, to get to know new people. It will steal it all because you think I'm not good enough. And if you're not careful, not only will you think you're not good enough, but you'll think God's not good enough. And it's a slow process. It's this kind of a subconscious thing because you begin to think, well, if God created me, he messed up. You begin to look at situations. You begin to look at people around you, your job. And you think, if God put me in this job, he messed up. So I'm not good enough to do it. You start thinking if looking at the people around you. I'm not, I'm not good enough to maintain these relationships. I don't have enough. And you start thinking, if God put these people around me, then God must not be good enough. He must have, he must have, he must have made the mistake. And so now you're not just questioning yourself, but you're also questioning God. And here's what, I, here's, here's, here's what I want you to hear. There is nothing that the enemy, Satan himself, would want you to believe more than that you are not good enough, that you are not strong enough, that you are not graced enough to do what God wants you to do. There's nothing more that he would rather take from you than your idea that God loves you and that you are good enough to be loved and graced by an all-gracious, all-loving father. There's nothing he want, Satan wants to take away more from you than your feeling of self-worth and your feeling of I am good enough with God. Don't let him take it. Don't let him snatch it from you. Because Moses argues with God and he says, who am I? Who am I? Have you ever asked that, ask yourself that question? Who am I? Who, who am I? Who am, who, who am I to be able to do it? But God has an answer. Look at verse 12. It says, he answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, when, when you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship, you will all worship God on this mountain. Now look at carefully what, what, what God is telling Moses. God, God isn't responding to this by saying, Moses, you got this all on your own. You got, yeah, you're good enough. You got this. Does God say that? No, God responds to Moses' question of, am I good enough? God responds not by saying, yeah, Moses, you're, you're all that in a bag of chips. You don't need me for this. No, God responds with saying, Moses, I will be with you. This isn't about you, Moses. This whole thing, this whole plan... This whole set of circumstances you find yourself in, it's not about you being good enough. Who told you you had to be good enough? You see, when, when we have this idea of I'm not good enough, we only look at one side of the equation. So me plus nothing may not be enough. But me and God with me is always enough. Enough. And so if you get the idea in your head that I am not enough, you've got to remind the enemy. You've got to remind yourself, yes, I may not be enough, but I am not alone. God says, Moses, I'll be with you. And I love that he goes on and says, when you get there, when you get out of here, God's given Moses a, a picture of the future. For some of you that are struggling with I'm not good enough, I would remind you that God's given you a picture of the future. A future of you sitting with him. Not because you could do it on your own, but because Jesus was willing to pay the price for your sin. He is what I'm not. He is what I'm not. But Moses has another reason. Verse 13, he says... It says, but Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Now Moses has a fear of not having the answers. Do You ever get this one? It's, it's subtle, but it affects a lot more people than we think it does. And, and, and I think this is pretty interesting because here's Moses. If, if you can just picture this in your head, let's pretend like this is the bush, Okay? This is the bush, and and we're not talking like some small shrubbery. We're talking like a big bush. This is the bush. This thing is on fire. (sighs) On fire. (sighs) Fire emojis, a bunch of them right here. This thing is on fire, but it's not burning up. And so all Moses sees is, and nothing is burning up. The the bush isn't turning brown. It's not coming down. None of that stuff. The bush is on fire. God speaks from the middle of the bush. And Moses is thinking. I wonder what they'll think. I don't have an answer for him. Now, isn't that a stupid question? Because God, I see how big God is. I see what he's capable of, but yet I'm worried about giving them an answer. But we do it too. Some of you, you've never accepted Christ, and one of the reasons is is because you're gonna have some people around you, some friends that are gonna ask you why, and you don't have a good answer for them. Some of you, you are so concerned with Making sure everybody agrees with your reasoning. That you're staring at a burning bush and God is calling you to go somewhere and he's telling you to go somewhere and you know it, but you're staring at a burning bush and you're asking God, God, if I can explain it, then I'll go. It's fear of not having the answers. There's no way that you can always have the answer. And really, this comes down to a pride issue. It's what it is for Moses. God, if I do it, what if they ask? Like, I got I to tell them, right? It's, it, it's a pride issue a lot of times for us. God, I, I'm the man of the house. I can't, I can't have questions. I got to have an answer. I got to have an answer for this. I got to have an answer for how we're going to handle this financially. I got to have an answer. I got I, I, I to have something, God. Here's, here's a news flash, and this is going to set some of y'all free. All of us are living above our knowledge level. All of us. The person sitting to your left, to your right, if you're watching at home, the person sitting beside you on the couch, none of us really know what we're doing. <laughs> Kids, if you're in here, your parents, your grandparents, whoever is your adult, they don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> but yet we think we always have to have an answer, don't we? But we have no clue What we're doing, and and, and here's the other thing, and some of you are on the other side of this, and I would say this to you because people are telling you you have to have an answer. You don't owe them an answer, you don't owe them a reason. And what God keeps us doing oftentimes is He keeps us walking one step in front of the other, trying to manage it above our knowledge level. You don't always have to give them an answer. You don't always have to have to provide them one. One of the things I love about kids is they're not afraid to ask questions, are they? A lot of questions. For mine, it's a lot a lot of questions. Enough questions to where my question kinda is, son, would you like some duct tape over your mouth? Some of y'all are like, that sounds harsh. But if you knew my kid. And they're not easy questions. They're not like, Daddy, can I? Not all the time. But they're deeper questions like, how does the sun shine? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then you, 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 you're like, because God lit it up? But that's not good enough. Well, how did he light it up? And, and I've, I've, really, I've really gotten to the point where I, I just Google it right in front of him. But somewhere along the line, when we quit asking questions. We quit allowing ourselves not to know everything. And it's because of pride. It's because of the past times we were made to feel stupid because we didn't have the answer. We're afraid to be amateurs or anything. Moses says, but God looks at the burning bush. But God, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to tell him? God has an answer. So says in verse 14, it says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. One of the most powerful verses in all of scripture because Moses is seeking to have the answer. He is seeking to be good enough. He is seeking to be enough. And essentially what God gives Moses is God's version of, because I said so. Because I said so, and th- this idea of God saying "I am" is, is is a huge one, and there's there's way too much to to unpack. But what's kind of in- inherent in its meaning is that God is the becoming one. In in other words, God becomes whatever is lacking in a time of need. "I am" means anything plus God equals enough equals good enough equals smart enough equals humble enough equals strong enough equals man enough equals woman enough in other words what you aren't God is God is what you are Not So if you feel like you don't have the answers, if you feel like you're not good enough, if you feel like you don't have the strength, if you feel lost, he is the direction. If you feel weak, he is the strength. If you feel lacking, he is the plenty. If you feel unloved, he is loved. If you feel stupid, he is smart. If you feel overwhelmed, he is able to carry it. Whatever you are not, he is. He has enough. You can face it. You can face it, and you can kick the enemy's lies to the curb because you are a child of the Most High God, the Great I Am. You're enough. He's enough. You're enough because he's enough. Don't let anybody else tell you different. Moses continues to ask questions. In chapter 4, verse 1, he comes right back to God says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Now he has a fear of being misunderstood. And I think this is a huge thing in today's culture and in a culture that has a very short attention span. Most of how we know a lot of people is, is on our phone. If you're under the age of 15, used to, you could use these like this instead of just like this. But we're always, we're always, we're always texting and we always have this, this short communication. And so often we get misunder, misunderstood. And that's what Moses is scared of, scared of right here. He's, he's, he's afraid of people misunderstanding what he's saying. And for, and for some of you, it's, this comes from, from a place where you thought that they were your friend. And y'all knew each other forever. And then you said one little thing and you didn't even mean it like that and they should know you better. But yeah, it ended the relationship. It ended the friendship. And so now you feel like everybody misunderstands you. And, and, and the difficulty with this one, believing this and having this insecurity is that when you think nobody understands you, you become harsh, you become controlling, and you, your defenses go up before you ever enter into the conversation because you have to make your thing known, don't you? Because everybody misunderstands you. Nobody understands your motives. Nobody understands your intentions. Nobody understands your giftings. And so now you think that I have to hit them hard. I have to hit them quick and let them know what I'm really thinking and my, and my real motives, don't you? And so you get defensive. You get mad before the conversation ever starts. Or you just pull back and you isolate, don't you? Because if nobody's gonna understand me, then what's the point of even trying? If everybody is going to misunderstand who I am and what I mean and what I'm about, what's the point of even trying to get relationships? Some of you are lonely today, and the reason is because you have isolated yourself because you don't trust anybody, because you're afraid, and you don't open up to anybody because they're just going to misunderstand you anyway, right? So Moses is dealing with a fear of being misunderstood. And look, Look what God does. Here, he he doesn't speak something, just speak something to Moses, but he he shows him something. Verse 2 says, the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground, God said. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. He ran from it. No, duh, I would have to. Some of you are like, no, I love snakes. There's good snakes. I know, but I don't know the difference, so they're all bad to me. Verse four says, the Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. I would had a little more trouble with that one than the running one. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. Verse five, this will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And I spent a lot of time thinking and praying because of the way that God responds to these other excuses, this one is, is really different. And so God, how, why, did you, why did you respond to, to Moses' question of being misunderstood? Why did you respond with this whole throw your staff on the ground thing? And, and, he, and here's, here's what I came up with. God is basically telling Moses, and for those of you that feel like you're often misunderstood, here's what I think God is telling you. He's basically telling Moses, he's saying, Moses, you know you. You know your heart. You know your motivations. You understand yourself. Moses, I, God, I understand you. I know you. I I know your heart. That's all that really matters. But if you will live with a clear conscience, I'll help them see it as well. if you feel like you're not good enough, literally the only thing you can do is live with a clear conscience. Or if if you feel like, yeah, if you feel like you're not, uh, you're misunderstood, sorry. If you feel like you're misunderstood, literally the only thing you can do is live with a clear conscience and know who you are and then not apologize for it and let God work it out. If you feel like you're, You're misunderstood and your ideas are misconstrued and your motives are always taken out of context and everybody thinks you're always wrong. Just live with a clear conscience and let God sort it out. Let him show them how real you are. You have nothing to apologize for. So Moses offers one more thing. Verse 10 says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Now Moses is scared of not having the ability. So Moses, the guy that's tongue-tied, he had a a stuttering issue. The guy that would be less likely to be picked for the job that God's about to pick him for or that he's calling him to do, that's the man God wants? It's like, God, if, if you were gonna choose somebody for this job to go talk to Pharaoh, to talk to the people, to lead the people, to energize the people, to motivate these people that are gonna be extremely stubborn in this whole process, God, if you're gonna call somebody, you would call someone gifted with, with, with the idea that they could speak, right? But instead, God calls a man who, the Bible says is tongue-tied, he calls himself tongue-tied. And here's what I know, is that oftentimes when you're in a position where you don't feel like you have the ability you're right where God wants you. Because this is the way God operates. He puts us in a place that we feel overwhelmed or that we feel like we can't accomplish. Does this feel like you as a parent, as a spouse, as a husband, as a wife, as whoever, is whatever job you're working? Is this, is this the place you feel? Because God often operates like this, and here's why. Number one, so that people can see how great he is. But also, so that you'll stick close by him through the process. Sounds a little selfish maybe of God. But the reason why God wants you close by him is because that's the best place for you to be. God wants you in the best place, walking in relationship with him side by side. And so, yes, sometimes you will feel like I don't have the ability. But once again, who I'm not, God is. With him, I am enough. So God has an answer. In verse 11, it says, The Lord said to him, who, pla- who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will s- help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Sometimes you have to go before you know. Sometimes you have to go before you know. And, and, and as, as I was preparing this, I had, I had my, on my mind, the person who has known the right thing to do for so long. You have known the right step to take, you've known the right place to move, you've known the right relationship to restore, you've known the right person to apologize, you've, you've known the right move that you needed to make, but you have been waiting for all of the details, and you have been waiting to have the ability this morning, I think somebody needs to hear, you're going to have to go before you know. God says, Moses, you've got to go. Like, you've got to go, and then I'll teach you what to say. Moses, you got to go, and then I'll add you the ability to speak. Moses, you got to go, and then I'm going to show you how it's all going to work out. Sometimes you have to go before you know. Sometimes you have to accept Jesus even when you don't understand everything you think you're supposed to understand, some of you, you, haven't accepted Christ and it's because you don't know all the details yet and you feel like you're not smart enough. Sometimes you have to go before you know. And it's interesting that, and I could preach a whole nother sermon and I don't have time, but that what God would do is he would give Moses, Aaron, to be a speaker. So God's saying, Moses, I, 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 I know but I'm going to put some people around you. They're going to help you as you go. See, we look at life all, so alone all the time. And that's why groups are so important here. Because we always ju- just include ourselves. Like it's just, but you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to know everything. It's okay to ask questions, it's okay to have relationships with people who are smarter than you. Trust me, I know. Some of y'all got that. Sometimes you got to go and then trust Him with the answers with the, for the money for the finances for the people for the resources but you got to take a step you got to go so finally Moses makes one more plea and I just added this one because I thought it was funny he basically says in Exodus 4 13 says but Moses again pleaded Lord please send someone else send anyone else and I think that's kind of funny because at this point Moses is like okay God I'm out of I have excuses I just don't want to but he, he does. If you don't know the end of the story, Moses does take these, these people and they're hard-headed and they make a lot of mistakes. But he does take these people. He goes to Pharaoh and he takes these people out of slavery and towards the promised land. Before we wrap up, I want us to go back to chapter three, verse 14, because it's the answer for all of our insecurities, for all of our fears. This is the answer. Exodus 3.14 says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God is what I'm not. God is what I'm not. God is what I'm not. Say it with me. God is what I'm not. God is what I'm not. In other words, what you're not, with the insecurities, with the doubts, with the failures, with the past, with the addictions, with the sin, with the overwhelmed situation, with the stress, what you are not, God is. With the lack of ability, with the lack of talent, with the lack of understanding what you're not God is. With your insecurities, with you feeling like you're not good looking enough, not smart enough, not big enough, not small enough, not smart enough, not not, not talented enough, not young enough. What you are not God is. He is. He is brave enough. He is well-spoken enough. He is gentle enough. He is tough enough. He is prepared enough. And he is the answer for your insecurities and those things that you hold deep down and that hold you back. He is. If he's put you in that place, you plus him is going to equal enough. If he put you with those people, you plus him will be enough. He is the great I am. There is nothing that is equal to him. There is nothing that can complete him. There is nothing outside of the realm of his capability. There is no one outside of the touches of his grace. There's no situation outside of the of, of the touches of his power. He is the great I am. He is the beginning and the end. He is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is the sustainer. And somebody needs to know this morning that all of that stuff counts for you too. You may not be good enough aside from a relationship with Him, but with Him, you are good enough. Don't you listen to them. Don't you listen to her. Don't you listen to Him. Don't you listen to those voices inside your head. Those are lies. He's the great I am. You you have a personal connection. You have the ability to speak at a moment's notice to the great I am. The great I am doesn't just lord over you and watch your life go by and wait for you to commit a sin or mess up and zap you. No, the, the great I am is interested in the intricacies of your life. He's there when you call on him. He's there to correct you when you do mess up, but he does it so gently. He's the great I am. What you're not, he is. And the only way that I know for us to begin to reverse our thinking from all of those fears that I just named is to replace them with truth. And I'm gonna talk more about this next week. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think in your head because there's been something on your mind this entire time. I want you to think in your head. What have you been saying? I'm just not blank. For me, I didn't say this to the first service. I didn't plan on it. It would be smart enough. I'm just not smart enough. And I want you to take that. You can do this more when you leave because there's probably multiples. And if you were writing this on a sheet of paper, I would just write it out. I'm just not. But if you were writing it down, I would cross that out. And then I want you to think, but God is. I'm just not smart enough, but God is smart enough. I'm just not talented enough, but God is big enough to give me the talent I need. I'm just too young, but God will empower me. I'm just too messed up, but God is perfect. Some of you this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus and that's why, that's why you beat up on yourself all the time because you've never identified yourself with, with him. He is very real and he loves you and he's been, trying, he's been working your life to this moment so that you can hear about him. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, in the quietness of this room, you can say this in your heart, you can say it in your mind, just think it. But you can just say, God, I know I've messed up. I've missed the mark. But right now I ask you to forgive me. I don't have all the answers, but I do believe that Jesus came. I believe he died. And I believe he rose from the dead. I don't know how it happened. So I turn over my life to you. You are the Lord of my life. God, thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Thank you for the honor of teaching your word. God, it's always crazy to me the things that stand out to people. And so I pray that right now that you would just bury the truth that they needed deep down into their soul. God, thank you that you are what I'm not. Thank you that you provide what we need just when we need it. Thank you that you're Jira and that you're enough. In Jesus' name, amen.